Today is the first Sunday in the season of Lent. At this point in the Christian year, we've moved from the Advent season to the Christmas season to the Epiphany season, and this has been a movement from darkness to light. And there's been a sense of momentum to the whole thing. The the king has come, and the kingdom is coming. And so, to be honest, Lent can seem a bit out of place. After all that joy and light and glory and good news, things get dark and solemn again. During Lent, we eat less. We celebrate less. We reflect upon weighty things like our sin and our mortality. We mark our foreheads with ash and we fast from good things. We spend 40 days in a prayerful state of introspection. Why do we do this? At first glance, the idea of Lent may seem grim, but for Christians, self-accusation is step one on the road to restoration. The way up is actually down. We cannot know the fullness of joy in Christ unless and until we have owned up to our own sins and shortcomings. To know true Christian joy, we need to understand why we needed to be saved in the first place. And so Lent is like boot camp for joy-filled people. To be sure, this is a, this is a downward and darkened journey. This is not a bright and cheery season. But ultimately, we go down in order to be raised, like the roots of a tree. Deeply rooted trees are stable and abundant and fruitful. Deeply rooted trees are able to weather storms and survive the winter. We all want to be like that, right? But I think left to ourselves, most of us don't really want to do that deep work. And so, by the ancient wisdom of the season of Lent, the Christian year is actually helping us to be deeply rooted people. And we begin this Lenten season as we begin every Lenten season, by meditating upon the temptation of Christ in the wilderness. Every Sunday, we sing the Lord's Prayer together. We pray, lead us not into temptation. And we pray this with the assurance that for God to lead us into temptation would be contrary to his character. As it says in James chapter 1, God cannot be tempted with evil and he himself tempts no one. And so, that being the case, our passage today opens in a strange and challenging way. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Temptation was the purpose for which the Spirit led Jesus into the wilderness. What's up with that? As we've seen over the past few weeks, the Gospel of Matthew depicts Jesus retracing the steps of ancient Israel. He is reliving Israel's history, and he is reversing Israel's failures. And today we see that Jesus is led into the wilderness for the very same reason that Israel was led into the wilderness. Deuteronomy chapter 8, God led the people of Israel into the wilderness that he might humble them, testing them to know what was in their hearts, whether they would keep his commandments or not. 
So why does the Spirit lead Jesus into the wilderness? To test him. The the key distinction there is one of intent. When we are tested, the devil hopes to see us fall. He hopes to see us sin against God. But when we are tested, God hopes to see us prevail, to remain faithful. God hopes to see us grow and mature. Our God is a good father. And if he leads us into the wilderness, it's because he means to do us good. He gives us opportunities to grow and to mature, to become who he is calling us to become. If you want your body to be strong, it's going to be difficult. It's going to require a certain degree of resistance. You have to test yourself. You have to put yourself in situations that require bodily exertion. And the same is true for your soul. God does not want to see us fall, but he does want to see our souls be strong. And so he permits difficulty and resistance. He permits times of testing. He puts us in situations that require spiritual exertion. If you've ever wondered why God put the tree in the garden to begin with, there you have it. His purpose was to see Adam and Eve mature. And growth requires testing. How do you respond in times of testing? When your job is on the line. When your marriage is on the rocks. When, when parenting is especially difficult. When you have to wait for something you want. Do you despair? Are you given to anxiety? Do you turn to food or alcohol or Netflix? Or do you leverage that difficulty as an opportunity to strengthen your soul? Do you accept the time of testing as an opportunity to draw nearer to God? That's what Lent is for. And that is the example given by Jesus in the wilderness. So let's look at temptation number one, verse one. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. And the tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. Jesus is hungry, and so the devil offers him bread. And this was a real temptation because Jesus was a real human being. His actual stomach was actually hungry. But notice, the devil says, If you are the Son of God. Three verses ago, chapter 3, verse 17, a voice from heaven said, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. That's three verses ago. But the devil comes to Jesus as he came to Adam and Eve. Did God really say that you were his son? Did God really say that you were beloved because It was my understanding that he was well-pleased in you. So why are you so hungry? If he loves you, why, why did he lead you into the wilderness? Why is he making you suffer like this? If you are the son of God, surely he wants you to eat. But Jesus answers, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. 
Earlier, I quoted from Deuteronomy chapter 8. And now Jesus quotes from the very same chapter. And that's not a mistake. That's not an accident. According to Deuteronomy 8, God allowed his people to hunger in the wilderness, and God fed the people manna so that Israel would know that man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. But let's consider how how that continues throughout the rest of chapter 8. Because Jesus knew this, right? Jesus knew how the rest of Deuteronomy chapter 8 went. The Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land of brooks of water, of fountains and springs, flowing out in the valleys and hills, a land of wheat and barley, of vines and fig trees and pomegranates, a land of olive trees and honey, a land in which you will eat bread without scarcity, in which you will lack nothing. And you shall eat and be full, and you shall bless the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. That is what Jesus is looking forward to. That is the Easter light at the end of his Lenten tunnel. Sure, Jesus was hungry, but Jesus knew where the Father was leading him. He knew what was waiting for him on the other side of this time of testing, through the wilderness and into a good and fruitful land, through Lent and into Easter. You see, Jesus was able to wait because he trusted the word of God. And by that word, he knew that a better feast awaited him. Nobody stops by Taco Bell on the way to a gourmet restaurant. Temptation number two. Verse five. Then the devil took him to the holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down. For it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. The first thing to notice here is that the devil knows Scripture. In verse 6, he is quoting Scripture. Satan is actually capable of using the Bible to lead you astray. That's a a pretty, pretty unsettling thought. Right, But it speaks to the importance of interpreting Scripture in community and interpreting Scripture under authority. We should never interpret the Bible as isolated individuals because the devil prowls around like a roaring lion in search of isolated individuals, in search of people who do not belong to the herd. So the devil... He cherry-picks a couple verses in order to say, let go and let God. Just jump. If you are really the Son of God, surely he's going to catch you. And Jesus replies again, it is written, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Or in other words, it's true that my Father can work miracles, but that's not why I trust him. For Jesus True sonship is not necessarily accompanied by spectacular signs and miracles. True sonship looks like daily obedience and adherence to the will of the Father. Temptation number three, verse eight. 
Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, all these I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. Now, was this an actual temptation? How could the Son of God be tempted to worship the devil? First of all, we need to recognize that this was a legitimate offer. This was a legitimate offer. Satan did actually possess authority over the kingdoms of the world. The Bible calls him the prince of the power of the air and the ruler of this world and the god of this age. And so this was a legitimate offer. But again, what what about this offer was tempting for Jesus? Well, this was precisely why Jesus had come. He had come to pay for sins, of course, but he had also come to claim authority over the nations, over the kingdoms of the world. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and disciple the nations, disciple the kingdoms of the world. If Jesus has been given all authority over the nations, the implication is that the devil has been stripped and is being stripped of his authority over the nations. So, by offering the nations to Jesus, the devil is offering a shortcut. He's offering a compromise. He's offering an easy way out. No need to suffer. No need to be crucified. If, if, what, if what you want is all authority in heaven and on earth, I can give you that right now. No need to die. Then Jesus said to him, verse 10, Be gone, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. To bow down before the devil would have been self-serving. But Jesus had come to do the will of his Father, even if that meant suffering and death. In fact, the, the devil's temptations are echoed in Matthew 27, the account of the crucifixion. The crowd is mocking Jesus upon the cross. And they say, if you are the Son of God. If you are the Son of God, come down from the cross. You see, the devil in Matthew 4 and then the crowds in Matthew 27 are making the same false assumption. They assume that if Jesus is the Son of God, then the Father would not allow harm to come to him. But that's a false assumption, and Jesus knows it. It was the Father's will that Christ should suffer. And by being obedient even to that, even to the point of death, Jesus received from the hand of the Father everything that the devil had offered him and more. In each case, the devil tempts Jesus to do something that Jesus really did come to do. He came to give himself as bread for the world. He came to throw himself down at the mercy of his father, trusting that his father would raise him up again. He came to claim authority over the kingdoms of the world. And so again, 
everything the devil suggested eventually came to pass, but it came to pass in God's way and in God's timing. Jesus could have taken a shortcut. He could have taken the easy way out. But he trusted his father. Even when his father was silent. Even when his father was nowhere to be found, he kept on doing the will of his father. And so he passed the test. And so the season of of Lent teaches us what Jesus knew in the wilderness. That there are no shortcuts on the path to glory. Glory and exaltation come from the hand of God. And they come through humility and death to self. That's where glory and exaltation come from. By means of the Christian year, the the Spirit is leading us into a 40-day period of testing in the wilderness. This is a season for experiencing hunger. This is a season for learning the full weight of the cross. This is a season for growing and maturing and building up our spiritual muscles. Why? Because your heavenly Father has called you to His glory. He sees more latent glory in you than you could could possibly imagine. And His plan for bringing you to a place of spiritual strength is not going to look like the path you would have laid out for yourself. But when you find yourself in the wilderness, and you will, you can know that the Spirit has led you there. The Spirit has led you there. It's not an accident. It's not abandonment. It's a test. So arm yourself with the Scriptures. Feast upon the Word of God as you would bread. Trust your Heavenly Father for everything. And receive every difficult thing, every wilderness moment, every ounce of suffering as an opportunity to draw nearer to him. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, we trust in your goodness and wisdom. Even in the wilderness, we trust you. Even in times of testing, we trust you. Jesus, thank you for being faithful even to the point of death. Teach us to trust and to obey as you trust and obey. Holy Spirit, you have led us into this wilderness moment. And we ask that you would build us up and sustain us and make us spiritually strong. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.